0: Mountain Brothers podcast with your hosts Ramsey Rutschke, Riley Rutschke, and Sean Morris.
1: Hunters would agree that like when you say like difference in districts because I've been in areas in like western Montana that the difference of districts that connect are literally from in 200 yards you can either shoot a bull or you can't. But yep. out there you you can't shoot bulls with general tags, right? Any I mean or uh that's, yeah, like no I mean, it's a draw tag. Yeah, yeah, like every single honestly most eastern Montana areas are draw tags only for bulls.
2: Well, it used to be the rifle tag was always so hard to get and that's still the case, but now it's archery used to be able to pull one tag and hunt basically all of eastern Montana. Right. Until this year, now you have to pick an area. I think that's really going to limit the amount of just pressure on bulls in in Eastern Montana. They absolutely
3: shit can wreaked havoc on elk tags in Montana. They destroyed whatever possible. See, I have an outlook on both sides of the the game here. I spent all my life public land and private land hunting. Um, And then on my, you know, I strive to a hunting guide was always the ultimate like, you've reached your hunting pinnacle. Like that's the thing I always strive for. Like you're kind of show people your experience. You're going to be able to, you know, live being with animals and stuff like it's, it's amazing. It's, It's something I've always wanted to do. And I've been able to live a life of one and then start a life of another. So I have an aspect on both. And I guess what you get a lot from people is like Montana caters to outfitters. And I think I would disagree. I think Montana caters to what Montana wants to do in their own agendas. Right. And it's
1: population, right? I mean, it has to be.
3: Well, the biggest complaint that you hear from FWP all the time is we have too many bulls in eastern
1: Montana. Too many bulls. We need to give more bull tags. Well, it's because they've been freaking dr- specialty draw for how long? I mean, I'd, how, I, mean, how in, long? In has, my
0: honest opinion, if you thought you had a bull problem, if you generalized for public and private land an either sex tag, in two years it would take care of itself.
2: Is it a if, bull problem? Or is it an elk? population problem. That's I, what I, that's I what we've sure. heard. Is, is, is it, it's a, it's an it's a
3: bull problem. problem. Is it Which, because
1: though of eastern Montana didn't have like a big population of elk until like the turn of the century? Is
0: well that, and what I think is I think is they've had a shoulder season for so long. Well I not it's only been what, like seven years that this side of
3: the state Yeah but had, seven
0: years when there's how many hundreds of thousands of people that hunt in the state of Montana? Well maybe not that many but that's a lot of elk that can get killed in seven years. Have you ever
1: watched a mule deer migration? That they that documentary that they posted about Wyoming. No, I mean there's a they, there was a 41 inch wide mule deer that they tracked named Popeye. I oh, mean yeah. out of there like the the sh- and then there was like three or four giants that they called that like you mm-hmm. couldn't like I think what did they say that because we watched it together that or there was five giants or something that they had like photographed and all this. And I think what well, one of them was actually harvested mm-hmm. and the other four died in actual cat there died in, in the wild. But I mean the transition of mule deer is, is, was gnarly coming out of Wyoming. I mean, they were moving like, what did they say? Like
0: 250 miles
1: in a, from their yeah. summer to their winter. They're moving that far.
2: That's crazy.
1: And it's like, that's a lot do of you times you see that in Montana,
3: yeah, absolutely, and that's why a lot of times you're not seeing now you will. Okay, so Ramsey's big buck that he shot that obviously was a local, was a local deer because we got sheds from years past, but they're not, you know, they're not like a whitetail where you could own a, like a thousand acre ranch and have a buck with seven years of sheds, it's just not going to happen,
1: right? But I mean, how do you classify him being local though? I mean, what if he was. Would, would he be that local? could have been
3: his like his uh fall range is that what you're getting at right yeah. like
1: i mean do you classify a local big game animal as he's there the all the time at the yeah. exact they same
0: point in the there. year
3: because i know there's deer on the the ranch that we guide on well yeah because camp picks, so there's there's sections where there's deer that probably never leave that and like they're honestly they're probably only seen by humans once a year if you're lucky okay. because it's so uh- like spread and so like it's so
1: desolate. Like, it's so, so far like, from people. Like, one time, like, per season, you would call that a local deer. I mean, like, what classifies a... I mean... Non-migratory... I don't know. What do you call it? A Non-migratory? Or do you call it, like, a like a resident animal? What, what classifies that as a, in big game hunting in Montana?
3: Well, and I think, you know, we kind of discussed... This a little bit while we were meeting with Josh before the podcast where it doesn't seem like Montana has a large migration like Wyoming does. But I would I would say that I think that deer move throughout Montana in a way. I don't think that they stay. It all depends. I mean, I guess you could ask yourself, do you think you're going to see Harvey next year? I'm always Probably. More than likely. If anybody's
0: lucky enough, it's probably going to be me.
3: Harvey referencing Ramsey and Sean's uh, one-by-two mule deer that they get 30 pictures of every time on the trail cam. Uh, I would assume he'll probably be there next year. I don't know what capacity um, his horn status will be. It'll all depend on if we I think it's
0: going to be hard to recognize him. Unless he has a, that same, like, dumb weird on <laughs> one.
3: Because
0: he had the one that kind of had, like, a ball on the end of it, and then he was a two on the other side. So I don't know. If he grows regular, I think he – because how many – what is that? In that one picture, there's, like, seven mule deer that are all, like, two-by-threes and three-by-threes. I, mean, I mean, we
1: even and, saw it that – what was that? That's two years now that we were out there shoulder season on my on my birthday that we saw 15, I like – Perfect, identical twins of mule, oh, yeah. of mule deer But I think dogs. this
3: ties into what you're talking about. Do these deer stay local to that property? I don't think they do. I How think far in all Montana do you think
1: mule, like, mule deer migrate? Let's just
3: say the, the mountains that they're in right now. It's a section. The, the mountains themselves, um, one just, we'll use the highways as cutoffs, okay? Um, you just keep them on that section of highway that's of those mountains. I think they move do you think throughout there. It holds them? I think it holds them, but I think they move throughout it. So that's why I think you don't see the same. I'm telling you right now. When Ramsey and I were archery hunting this year, we were out there. We saw fifteen bucks in one group. We didn't push them at all. We didn't do anything to push them out of there. And there were oh, other- it was
0: that same group that Sean saw when we took Sven out for the first time.
3: Okay, and maybe maybe they got bumped by there was another guy out there. I don't know. Yeah, I- but there was there were there was I mean half a dozen four points in there that would have all been, you know, we don't want to kill them, but the right guy might shoot them. They weren't big enough for us, but. You know, mature, or mature enough, mature enough yeah, yeah. for us. Yeah.
1: But, th- I mean, that's, I guess, b- like, back to the whole, like, Wyoming f- migration and stuff. I mean, I guess take Wyoming as a whole. Maybe it's a completely different ecosystem over there. And, it you know, more snow, whatever, it pushes them out, less food. But, like, if you take an exact area, like, I'll ask Josh this. An exact area that you've hunted multiple times and you know the ecosystem, you know the animals... If you had to guess the mule deer that you've seen in that ecosystem, how far would they move and what would keep them from moving a certain distance?
2: My thought on it is like around here, Eastern Montana, where it's pretty flat for the most part, the deer you're hunting, you, you can pattern them during hunting season as they're going to go out to their feet at night and they're going to work their way into the thickest stuff they can find while they're getting pressured, right? But then off season, when they're not getting pressured by hunting, I'm assuming most of them probably find their feed. And then during the day, they just stay as close to that as they can. I mean, they're not getting pressured. They're just going to some sort of cover, but they're not migrating. Snow's not pushing them out. You go to Western Montana, you have these big mountain mule deer or just mule deer that live in the mountains in general. And they're same kind of thing during hunting season. They're getting pressure. Um, they're going to go into the thick stuff, but then once the winter hits, they're not getting hunted anymore. They're just going to migrate out of the mountains down into the flats and that's where they're going to live. Like, and they
1: obviously know that, right? Like they know the difference between hunting season and, and off season.
2: Yeah. I feel like they, they hear those first few shots and they know, especially a a nice old mule deer or an old doe even. She knows. Like they just have it figured out. Yeah. I think if you
3: like flew over to Ukraine right now, you would know the difference between if you were in danger for (laughs) all night long or or
0: not you can pretty much compare that to hunting in the little belts opening day
2: yeah Yeah, probably yeah those elk know real quick oh yeah
1: (laughs) i just i i would you assume though that that weather pushes me like mule deer more than pressure does would you would you think
2: it's a good question i don't know i don't know with mule deer i think weather definitely does it with elk i think it depends on the area yeah, you're probably yeah. I think now, what Josh yeah. is
3: getting at is like sh- it's not really much the weather. It's like a mule deer probably can't stand in eight feet of snow. No. So when the snow pushes them down and gets them off the mountains, that's when they're starting to migrate. I don't personally. I'm not a biologist. I personally don't know why mule deer does and shit in Wyoming take 200 mile circles. I I, I couldn't tell you. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I think it's snow. Like I was hunting western montana like southwest montana for the first time ever and the guys that's hunting with that hunt there all the time they're telling me the elk we we're hunting were from the park like hundreds of miles away oh wow and it's just like that's their mig- migration and i think it's snow but i really don't know if it's a, just a instinctual thing i mean I who know. knows
1: it's it's the same thing as it's, you know the the first i bet there's ancestry that, that made that herd could have came from there and when they moved to the park they realized, you know, when the snow f- f- was flying that we don't have food here. We know where food is. We'll move back. I mean, it. Could, it I don't yeah. know. There's a ton of different things that could really boil down to what causes them. But
2: it, it could be like steelhead. Like we were fishing for the last, last week. They come from the ocean 600 miles away. And nobody really knows how they know how to do that. It's just like it's bred into them that they need to swim up to this certain river right where they were born. So, yeah, it could be the same with elk. They're like, well, that's just where we go. Yeah. Well, and I've heard that too,
3: you know, if we talk about the area bias, I know that um, when I first met these people that I work for um, and my friends and I would be looking for places to hunt, they'd always be like, Hey, go check this out. And I never like did that because um, I don't know. We always had hunting spots by where we live, but I know my buddy, uh, one of our buddies went and shot a deer over in this one BMA that was down there and they claim that it was a natural elk crossing, so I feel like is a crossing basically compared to a migration route. I feel like probably yeah. I would say so, but I think I think you could conclude that animals probably aren't moving a ton, but there are animals that move throughout the year for different reasons. You know, food might change in that area. Yeah, absolutely, water may change in that area shelter you know who who knows in the month of june maybe uh, a pack of wolves moved in or something and that's why they're not there i feel
1: like there's a lot of like environmental issues that hunters don't really take into perspective or even realize that happens in like migratory herds of any big game you know i just feel like it's anything could happen you know what i mean it's it's
0: just i think at the end of the day like Animals are just down to the core, instinctual. Yeah. Because, I mean, when we got our first dog, you know, Ellie, as a child, eight weeks old, she was already pointing. No one had ever taught her how to do that. She just knew, hey, I smell bird. That's what I do.
1: More like nesting. Like, you ever seen a dog, like, nest, like, when they want to go lay down and they scratch or In know, circle yeah it's yeah circle. it's
3: like my, my dog will throw blankets on the floor it's, yeah, it's just like ridiculous who's ever taught him to do
1: that you know like they weren't with they were with their mom for eight weeks you know you know they don't it's just instinctual it's i don't know it's i feel like that's a good topic that we could literally talk on for i feel like it's one of those
3: hours? topics where you could just like
0: do so you also know that humans are one of the only mammals that don't walk within the first 24 hours of being born? Yeah. Because yeah, like we're a horse.
2: Hunted. horse pops out and just immediately pops so up and starts high. Yeah. yeah well, like a. Like a don't and they it takes like, us
0: like six months to lift our head. A horse, <laughs> so like a a shark, horse looks at but us. But we're the apex predators. Humans are man. peasants.
1: Sharks, <laughs> sharks and dolphins aren't, aren't they the same. They're born and they can swim right away. I
3: feel like, oh, <laughs> I feel all like they kinda
0: have to. No, but you know what I mean. Well
3: they're just gonna like just not move. They're just like
0: Oh man, I wish I could learn how to swim.
1: <laughs> birds. Straight to the bottom. Hey, birds though. Yeah, though. Okay, birds. Okay. They can't they can't fly right away. They're just there's but yeah, there.
3: I feel like that's a subject that you could just sit there and speculate on. I, I don't know if it's like
2: a
1: we d- we don't have any actual facts that we can back. Yeah. our...
2: I feel like humans. Is I feel like we creative, just smoked like... smoked a bowl of weed and yeah. the conversation. C- humans yeah. go way too why far is it, into why it why is and it really pizza it's like box square. You know? Yeah. I don't know, it's like that kind of question. animals are just like take the path. Of I the wonder least what resistant. the mule deer does, dude. <sighs> yeah.
3: But uh, yeah, anyways, uh, it's good to be back. Um, it's been a busy week. Yeah, we're. Frantically, I wouldn't say frantic. We're just trying to tie up our loose ends here with our raffle tickets. Um, that yeah, ends I'm Friday. getting excited. Yeah, I'm like excited to see who we pull to hang out with us for three weeks. Um, three, three weeks? Three days, three days excuse me. Um,
0: that's, a, yeah. that's a hell of a package there. Whoa. That's like a $30,000 hunting yeah. trip there. Uh,
3: but for today, I'd like to welcome our, I don't know, probably our best friend of the podcast, Josh Adamson. One of
0: our oldest friends, too. Yes, sir. Glad to be here, finally. Um,
3: he's kind of really been behind the scenes, like, grinding with us. He helped us I work. I got a
0: glimpse or two of him on the TikToks. Yeah, you
3: can see him. He, he uh, made a little of appearance on a couple TikToks. He's been
1: one of the few that have participated in, uh, in, this, in the studio and the process of Bull Mountain Brothers so far.
2: Yeah, Josh yeah. has put in some, he's humped some hours. Yeah. I had fun doing it. Like, that backdrop, man, that's sweet. I had fun helping you guys put that together. Do you think it's going
3: to look good if we do uh, Europeans all the way around?
2: Oh, absolutely. We're going to absolutely. fix that. I think I
3: think bit. it's going
0: to look really good when I sand that saw cut board. Yeah. Okay.
3: We have a long ways to go in here still, Josh. It's,
0: but she's looking good.
3: I say we're at about like 65%? <laughs> yeah. 71.5% maybe? Boys, this might be quite possibly the most dysfunctional podcast we've had
0: in three months. Which is saying a lot because you think you'd get better as time goes on but I think Josh I don't think
3: it's a matter of like it's not better it's just like Josh thanks for coming on for an absolute shit show
2: it's the most functional podcast I've ever been a part of
3: thanks Oh, can we put that can we put that in a quote and then put on the that website writing, that real, actually. a yeah, real review there behind us, right here. you know like on the websites they do like five star reviews <laughs> <laughs> like the
0: ones I did for our hats on Instagram yeah everybody wears these hats said some person we definitely didn't pay yeah <laughs>
3: uh well, I guess we've been really excited to have Josh on here for a while. A, one of our best friends. B, he's quite possibly, and I know a lot of people, probably one of the most proficient, well-versed young fly fishermen in the area. I mean, I, I've i been, and Hunter for, for that matter, too. Uh, I would say that a lot of, um, I don't know, Ramsey and I have talked about this before where Our dad was a, I mean, really a first generation hunter and everything he did, he learned from his friends. (coughs) And, uh, so like he never really was able to get into like the more unique, different niche stuff within hunting. And I'm referring to like, uh, waterfowl hunting, um, fly fishing, bow hunting, a lot of stuff like that. And I would really accredit a lot of the skills that I learned over the years from, from Josh's skills. And what he's taught me along the way so it's kind of a big deal for us to have josh on here uh just kind of talk about his upbringing in the outdoors you have quite the uh quite the outdoorsy family wouldn't you say
2: yeah yeah i was lucky enough to grow up with obviously a dad that was just all about hunting and fishing taught, taught me everything i know but on top of that i had four older brothers that all same thing all about it flying so fishing hunting all of it your one brother
3: had a hunting show back in the day, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. He and some buddies make some, some videos that they've produced and done well with it. You have
3: brothers that are several brothers that are fishing guides, right?
2: Yep. Yep. One still is one was for a long time and he's moved on from it, but yep.
3: So, I mean, you could really tell just by listening to this, like how in intertwined in the outdoor, like he was kind of destined to grow up to be an outdoorsman. Wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Um, I guess I've always been curious is like it's hard it's kind of hard to interview like a really close friend because I already know like so much about you but I've always been curious to be like to ask you like now that you're 27 um and you do i mean would I would consider you one of the best fly fishermen I know how did you get to that point in your life where you like went from like something you do? as a hobby to like being a specialist is what I would say.
2: Yeah. Just growing up with going like every weekend with my brothers, that's they're the same way I am now when they were my age, like that's all they wanted to do. And so just always going out with them. Um, I loved it, but I didn't really have like a passion for it. I just enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Bozeman for college and worked at a fly shop and like really started to learn like the science of it which sounds weird fly fishing and science, but it's like, there's a science to it. Like,
3: Oh, I'd agree hundred percent. I mean, yep. especially, I mean, both you boys are fly fishermen too. You would know. I feel like it's like one of those hobbies along the lines of like, I'd like to come, I always like to compare it back to like high school sports. When you get into sports at a young age, let's say first grade and you learn how to, let's say, say soccer, for instance, you're taught, kick the ball into the goal. That's your only, I mean, everyone could do circles around each other. Nothing could get done for an hour. But your main thing is to kick the ball into the goal. Then you move up to, like, a more advanced league where you're learning how, like, you need to stay on sides. You need to, there's strategies to scoring goals. Um, And then you get to, like, high school where you learn, like, actual plays. And you learn, um, you know, different strategies for footwork and stuff like that. And then you get to college and it's a whole different ball game. That's how I've always looked at fly fishing. When you start, it. I mean, unless I'm the most least developed fly fisherman ever, it took me like five years to really. And I had a weird like fly fishing. I don't know, bring out like being brought up fly fishing because it was you that brought got me into it. Like everything else, I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have ever been into waterfowl hunting. I wouldn't have ever been into bow hunting. I wouldn't have been ever been into fly fishing if it wasn't for. Like you talking me into trying it. So like for me with fly fishing is like I tried it when we were in high school, started to kind of learn it, went and did my high school football stuff or college football stuff, working and all that. And it was like the last five years that you've got me kind of back into it. um, And so, yeah, that's how I like kind of look at it. I don't know if you have, that's how you look at it, too, is where it's like with fly fishing, like you have to learn so many things to be able to like have a good time to do it.
2: Yeah. No, I look at it like, like you guys and you and all our buddies in high school when you played football, like mm-hmm. you guys would like talk it like it was science and I didn't follow. I didn't play obviously, but like, I think it's the same thing with fly fishing. Like you can f- go fly fishing or you can go and like break it down into so many aspects that the typical person wouldn't think of. So that's cool on my end, but like, I love going with you and just seeing you to improve. Like you are saying like five years ago, you could like, it, your casting was like that's what you go out and just try and make a good cast. Now you can spend all day making or a good roll cast or you can double haul if you need to, you can throw big bugs, small bugs, whatever you got to do. And like, you, now you're learning how to read water. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a lot to it that most people don't think about when you get into it. There's a lot to it. That you
3: can or like having a, uh, like a background knowledge of like, I think like when I first started fly fishing with you, it was always like, um, Josh, Hey, what bug, what bugs, like, what do I use today? Whatever. Mm-hmm. And you taught me a strategy to basically know like a group and types of bugs that'll work on different bodies of water different times a year. And I think that's like a huge part of like one of the steps of being like a proficient fly fisherman.
2: Yeah. You go into a fly shop, anyone that goes into a fly shop, if you don't know, like the science, uh, there's a word for it, study of bugs. I don't know what it's called, but. If you go in there you're just like holy cow there's like hundreds of different flies like how am i supposed to pick what i want to use but really there's like five types of bugs and just joe schmo whoever is tied like different variations of it so if you know where you're going and what kind of bugs are there and you buy a couple different colors that's all you need but that's where i like i picked that up in the fly shop like they taught me that i was like oh that's really simple but When you, you get just, into it.
1: You just chase the hatch. I mean, essentially.
2: exactly. Yeah. You're like, okay, what's hatching? What kind of river is it? Okay. It's going to be this type of bug. Let me get three colors, four color variations. And that's going to work.
3: Yeah. You kind of taught me like, okay, like right now, tell me like you're, if you're stranded on an Island and there's a lake, a river, a lake and a river, and you were giving three bugs to choose the fly fish. And there's all kinds of trout in there. What is your three bugs in your box that you're going to bring every time?
2: So if there's a lake, I'm going to have a balanced leech. Leeches are just working lakes. They just do. I don't know. There's, I guess, there's just a lot of leeches in lakes. So I'm gonna have one of those. I'm gonna have, if it's an island, there's probably a, not a dam to the river, so it's a free stone, meaning it, there's no dam on it. It's just free flowing. Mm-hmm. So those type of rivers always have stone flies. So I'm gonna have a like a patch rubber leg if you're nymphing, and then like a stone fly dry fly. So it's basically the the adult version of that that stone fly.
3: And you think that you would be able to just always... That's like your go-to that you would keep in your box. Yep. See, and i the reason I ask is because I didn't understand that that was a possibility to just have like your go-to bugs until like Josh taught me some things. And like once you get into streamer fishing too, I feel like you have that kind of thing with that too. Because you taught me how to use a a sculpin imitation. And anytime I'm not catching fish on rivers now, I just chuck... I will just chuck sculpin for for an hour.
2: <laughs> that's never a bad way to go. Every river has sculpin in it. Yeah. So it's just like it's a guaranteed.
3: You ever you, you know what, what the sculpin looks like, Sean? I've got an it's, idea. Yeah. It's the one that's got like the the big head on it and it's usually double jointed with a hook, two yeah. double hooks.
0: No, I just remember the one time we went camping and like, you weren't catching anything. And I was like, dude, I caught a sculpt in here once. And you are like, what? You just, like, pull a sculp and out of your tackle box and you caught a fish on, like, the second cast. You're yeah, like, nice. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but Josh is, like, turning... Like, I remember growing up, like, uh, Ramsey and I would fish, like, brook trout in the mountains. I think we've talked about this before. And Ramsey would always, like... I always thought, I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude, this guy, like, always catches 30 fish. And, I'm like, I could maybe... Like, sometimes I wouldn't catch that much fish. And... When we like started fishing more with Josh, I'm just like, wow, this is what it really means. When uh, if Josh isn't catching fish, nobody's catching fish. <laughs> like two you weeks know?
2: ago, when we were still out fishing for four days and nothing happened.
3: Yeah, that's when you when when I pulled up that night, and uh, you guys were sitting in the truck and it was raining. Ramsey and I were both like, ah, well, we're not going to catch fish this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: no. See, steelhead, a different story though. And
0: I think, and what you said about it is like fishing there when i first started fishing up in that i just threw a worm in there and hoped i caught a fish but as i like you were saying as i gradually got more and more versed in it i could like read where the holes were and read the water and everything and then i yeah. i mean there's so much more to it than just throwing something in the water
3: yeah. but i would say josh that like I, I, we you would say now that fly fishing is a large passion of yours, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, yep. And you can see it in the, in the way that you go about your fly fishing because we fly fish with a, a large variety of friends that treat it differently. And you will always be in the water from sun up till sundown all day long, no matter how the fishing is, because it just seems like that, like that determination is, I feel like, why you catch more fish than everyone.
2: Yeah, that, that could be. I think that's, like, a fault of mine, though. Like, I'm trying to be more, like, better about enjoying my surroundings. Sometimes I get so caught up in just trying to catch a fish. That's
3: do you like, feel like in some situations you've, uh, like, pushed the limit of how long you fished? When oh, you should absolutely. have been, like, heading out somewhere? Absolutely.
2: We do a, a pack trip up into the Beartooth every year. <laughs> it's, like, it's cold at night. And actually, me and my girlfriend forgot our food. And so, I felt the need that we needed to catch fish to eat food, you know? Uh Uh-huh. And so, I was, like, in my shorts, uh, waist-deep in the lake trying to catch a fish at, like, dark. And it's, like, 40 degrees. So, I was, like, a little hypothermic that night.
3: Yeah, I can't say that I've ever had to do that before.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I felt a little desperate, but I also wanted to be out there. Yeah, we we ate them and they were terrible. I hate trout so much.
3: (laughs) (laughs) What a
0: hate-love relationship with a
3: certain animal. Yeah
0: can't believe that big
2: ambassador for catch and
0: release
3: (laughs) (laughs) okay well here's a question for you and i'm gonna go around the table here's here's you have one choice in life and in front of you sitting on the ground is your bow and your fly rod starting with sean bullet to your head which one are you picking up if you're one choice and and for the rest of your life that's what you're doing This is a hard... Isn't this a hard thing to determine? This is incredible. This is hard.
0: an easy question, and I'll tell you why when it gets to me. Okay.
1: I feel like you can't take passion into into consideration here.
2: I feel like it's got to be a survival.
3: No, you do too, because you're going to be doing it for the rest of your life. So it has to be the
0: one...
2: Is this like modern day? Like, you can go home and
3: yeah yeah it's uh BP so what, what do you, you shoot at white
0: this is like tonight if i watch you out in the yard and held yeah. a gun to your head and be like,
3: yeah you have your run. your favorite fishing your fly rod at home and then your favorite your your bow that you use for hunting season okay
1: i'm gonna pray i have to pick my bow
3: okay and what's your reasoning behind that because do you think you, that you get more enjoyment out of bugling bulls than you do fish
1: yeah, and also because I can take my fucking spinning rod out and still catch fish.
3: <laughs> okay, let me pre- preface this. You don't get a rifle hunt or spin fish either.
0: I can noodle. I'll be all right. Oh, my God. <laughs> this guy's breaking the rules. <laughs> Ramsey? Uh, I, okay. I'll, I'm going to say bow. And it's kind of along the lines of the same thing as Sean. Bow fishing. Oh, my God. Okay. That's, that's uh, but, uh, but honestly, like if I had to pick between the two... I would pick bow hunting because I, I love the like, the the thrill and the chase. I feel like of I animals, love, and I I love fly fishing, but I've never got that same like.
1: Yeah, that like I'm gonna back that feeling by saying I don't think, personally, even in a situation where I'm bow hunting and I'm unsuccessful, and. I feel like just the camaraderie and the environment that you're in is a lot better than you sitting, standing in a river and not catching any fish. I would rather be sitting in the middle of the mountains, listening to bugling elk, and not have something harvested. I would rather have that than not catching a fish.
3: I'm along the same lines. I, although like fly fishing has really become, and I would say they're on the same level of like, spiritual skills like when you get away from like shooting stuff with a rifle and uh like spin fishing they're both what i f- would want to say are like not as difficult occupy like not occupations but uh hobbies sport whatever you want to call it um i find like bow hunting and fly fishing to be the same spiritual thing just in different aspects uh but i would even as much as I like enjoy fly fishing, I would say I too don't think I could live my life without chasing bulls. Josh,
2: I'm gonna say fly fishing. Grab that fly rod, and I only answer. Holy quick. shit! Josh. I only answer quick because I've been sitting here for like five minutes listening to you guys. But I, I think I'd shed a tear losing my bow. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Like no, it'd be tough to not. Like you said, go chase bulls. Like so so essentially, I'm thinking about it
1: in your mind. You standing in the middle of a river at dusk, yeah. Not catching any fish is a better moment than you standing in the middle of the mountains listening to booming bulls at dusk.
2: That's not a fair comparison. It's, it's not that at all. Here's the, here's what I think of it. Like bow hunting, there's a lot you can do with it, and you can do different stuff. But there's not as much as fly fishing. Like I, I work a nine to five. I sit and sit in an office most of the day, and I just think of like what's my next trip or like what's this next thing i want to try and i could i mean i don't think i can get all these fly fishing trips in in a lifetime is what it feels like like all these different things i want to try like like there's just different experience like i just got into like spay fishing like you you're going saturday you're hopefully you'll experience catching a fish on that but i don't know there's just a different experience like with a spay rod you feel the fish like you're connected to it it's weird like it's hard to explain other than than to somebody that's caught one on a spay rod but there's just so many different aspects of it of fly fishing that it's not about it's like you guys were saying like you could bow fish or you could spin fish yeah you could catch fish but i don't know it's more about um the science of it and just i don't know there's a lot more to it more in depth than than bow hunting for me that's what connect that, that makes me like it so much but it, it'd still be a tough choice so like, what do you it'd
1: think is in like a in perfect scenarios when you go, like take your steelhead trip to. I'm assuming that steelhead river is pretty frugal with the amount of steelhead that are in it. At a certain like perfect time of the year, there's quite a bit of steelhead in that section of river, right?
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, their numbers are actually depleting. Really, turns out, but <laughs> but yeah, mo- most years. So prior basically, to like the fishing is going to suck. So
1: you? I mean, like take <laughs> yeah. that in in instance versus like a public land area where you know there's elk.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, That's almost the chase for me, though. Like, I know there's elk there. I can go kill one. Or I can at least get into them fishing. It's like, I have no idea. It's all anyone's Because you can't see it. Yeah, I got to go figure it out. That's the cool thing I like about fly fishing is, like, you're always... Fig- and if you run out of, like, ambition to figure that out, you can go do this other thing. You can go chase ocean f- fish on the flats. You can go to New Zealand and catch browns that are, like, bigger than you can imagine. You can go to cosmo and catch fish that are like could kill you if they want i don't know it's just there's a lot of different aspects to fly fishing whereas bow hunting, there's a lot of that too but just not as much to me so that's why I, that's why i choose that
3: I, that makes sense to me i mean like and i was actually going to touch on that a little bit it's like part of that like when i was comparing it to sports or whatever you don't realize when you first start fishing on that like riverbank i mean shoot the first time we started actually the way that josh taught me how to fly fish was uh, the original, the first thing I ever used was a dry fly, which is, I think is funny now because I think, I think it's the more delicate, harder way to, f- would you disagree with me on that? Or do you think nymphing is the hardest one?
2: It depends what kind of dry fly. If you're on a mountain stream where they're just eating whatever hits the water. it's. But as far as go, like but...
3: casting goes, like casting and like placement, I feel like sometimes dry flies could be more Yeah, it can be finicky tough. It can be tough. With yeah. like wind and like the, it's super yeah. light. I,
0: yeah. I definitely enjoy dry flies the most i think but do you remember that
3: like when he taught me and we got like these walmart fly rods
0: and went to lake elmo like every night and we
3: went to the local city uh thing and we're catching like what three inch bass every night yeah Is how you i me. remember
0: some of those fish would be so small that you'd go to back cast and you would
2: watch the fish fly <laughs> over your head yeah that's how we started we loved it right if you went and did that today you'd be like this sucks oh no i don't know
3: you really (laughs) underestimate how excited i get (laughs) oh no i don't (laughs) yeah
0: he gets excited if he has a good cast still
2: so
1: (laughs) josh let me ask you this
2: question on fly fishing are
1: you only using indicator in still water only
2: no i'll use them in rivers i don't i prefer not to but
1: do you do you feel like it throws your cast off a little bit
2: it's a, just a different cast. Like, instead of like being proficient and like trying to get it somewhere, you're literally just like, all right, I just got to get it out there.
1: <laughs> I feel like still water on rivers might be a lot tougher because that indicator hits the water before your fly does, which is a bigger splash and can cause a little bit different. T- but I don't think
3: you're fishing much still water on rivers, though, are you? It's you're because that's what we're talking. He was talking about earlier about like understanding water. And I feel like y- you would never intentionally place a nymph in a, in a slow water on river.
2: Yeah, not typically. Like, if you're fishing a nymph on a river, it's like those fish are stacked somewhere and they're just eating whatever's floating by them. So your indicator, you're putting it where you think the fish are sitting. Right. And then your weight's on the bottom. Of those flies are just kind of dangling as it floats down. Right. And you're just trying to put it in a fish's face and they'll go eat it.
1: So, like, on the on Missouri, where I'm from, a, a lot of good fly fishing would be like a prince nymph, white, Mm -hmm. wet, wet fly, Mm -hmm. uh, beaded, you know, throwing it in as you're floating down right under canyons that are, it's essentially, it's not still water 10 feet away from them, but it creates a cove around it of still water. Yeah, like a little back
2: eddy kind of thing. Yeah, it's really
1: deep, you know, Mm -hmm. casting into that while you're drifting and kind of, you know, posing yourself against it. Yeah. With the boat is money. Like without an indicator
3: just letting it go down. Kind yeah, of like. is
1: money. And I mean you're only I mean with a I don't know what I don't know, six, seven feet leader on you're sinking maybe two feet at the max, maybe a foot and a half less than that. And I mean it destroys them. I mean it's unreal. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there is a there is a gamble in oh wow that was that was like a that was like a burp yeah i think you just reached puberty right there (laughs) it's like a gamble in in getting into still water on fast river because the missouri is a fast river you the biggest thing about missouri is you you hit white water and you let that thing drift Uh and you pull something out of there but like i feel like for me on the missouri my still water fishing was better than taking fast water
2: which
3: what are you catching mostly browns or rainbows 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 i'll tell
2: you i started fishing in missouri a lot lately my ex lived up in helena so we'd go fish it all the time and dude that river is tough like the guides know it really well because they know where the fish sit for some reason but like i'd float it and be like i don't i don't even it just looks the same it's huge and it just looks the same so it's tough it's hard to figure out but i know it's fishy and really good
1: there's the thing about it is it's, it's super shallow Mm-hmm. A lot of places, but they, you get into those those eddies that come around, and they're
3: so you can't you couldn't really use a prop boat on the Missouri. No, absolutely. So, some the parts, thing you can in,
1: in, in, if you know the river, you can right. Because I mean, I've taken pontoons on the Missouri before, and you're doing a lot of this because as long as you know the
3: the stretch you travel 40 miles and 15 miles
1: I, exactly it's yeah. it, you you pick your your poison and you know where to go so you stay out of that but like even on like jet skis i've i've beached jet skis in the middle of the missouri before i mean those things those things could drive on what like 4 or 5 inches of water yeah and i've beached them before and it's 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 literally in the like there is stretches all over where i've gone fishing that you could stand up in the middle of the Missouri, and water is to your shins, barely. Right. And so, I mean, you, you kind of just pick your poison, and jet boats are key. You can drift boat, obviously, everything. Um, but, I mean, the more you get to the gates over there with, like, Holter and all that stuff, mm-hmm. coming down even from, like, Craig to Cascade, guys paid thousands of dollars to drift boat that for a week mm-hmm. and i mean it is any more it's overfished not very good still catch fish not as well as it used to ten, you know five ten years ago but i mean there's spots there where you can go and it, it is you could sit there all day and catch five pound rainbows i mean oh, it's yeah. unbelievable
3: so i guess the more we like we sit here and talk about this it makes me more like realize more and more like like, you know, Josh said he'd pick his fly rod up. It It, it is so much more intricate than any other sport we do. Because I even remember when we first started fly fishing, and I had zero idea what it was about. And I think, like I said, we start dry flying, you learn that, and you get kind of used to doing that. And then you get, like, you move, you upgrade, go to, like, the river. And there's a river by us that um, is close, and it's, like, the, like, one of the more popular rivers to fish. And uh, you really get to sit back and think about, like, there's so many different things that you're doing while fly fishing. Like you're either dry flying, wet flying, streamer fishing, right? Um, are you doing that out of a boat? Are you doing that from shore? Are you doing that in the water? Are you doing it in a lake? I mean, you have all these things that come into play. And then the older I've, you know, as I've gotten older and come back to fly fishing with Josh, it's like, wow, there's even more strategies that you don't even realize when you first started this, like, I never knew that d- you you float a river, right? Well, there's different parts of that river that you're going to hit, and you're going to fish it differently. So I'd be sitting there, and I'm like, oh, I, I, you know, my thing is, is I, I hate tying on shit. I'm the slowest knot tire in the world. So, like, when we would get in a boat or something, or uh, we used to go wade, we'd, like, go up to the same place and walk way down and wade it, you know? Uh, I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna try and keep my setup this whole time. I don't want a. I don't want to lose all my flies, and b. I don't want to tie them on again. And then ten minutes go by, out of a boat, and we're coming around like rims or something, and you can see Josh tying on a streamer or something. And I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Like we're switching up already. Like, and then he's catching fish. Then you go to a different place. And he's like, here, I'm gonna pull over at the boat, and like, the, let's say the current kind of went around us. And we're on like a, where the water comes against like a, and creates that slow spot you're talking about, and all of a sudden he's switching reels or something, and he's got his dry fly set up right. going into the slow water in the same river, and that that was like an experience for me, fly fishing where I was just like holy shit, like I I don't I st- like that's why I consider myself still a intermediate fly fisherman because there's still so much shit to learn day every day. Yep. And like different, like you, you talk about the science.
2: That's yeah. It's like the difference between spin fishing and fly fishing. If spin fishing, you go out and you are throwing the same stuff all the time. Like obviously, you can change lures or uh, worms or whatever, but you are kind of throwing them out there and hoping flies. You are like, like
1: fishing in general is like it's not like hunting an elk or hunting a mule deer. You know, it's you can do a thousand different ways to to actually have success. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you are spin fishing or fly fishing i feel like it's just presentation is key in fishing completely
3: see that's why you differ from a lot of people that i know where you love all aspects of fishing like you don't just stick uh would you would you just classify yourself josh that you're kind of up with the the fly fishing snobs that look look down on uh the spin fishermen or do you just don't prefer to pick up a spin rod? I
2: don't prefer. I'm not against it. Like in Idaho, I had I was the only one with a spin rod, right? Because I know there's situations where you need it. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you're gonna catch one. So I brought it. Like I'm not against it, but I prefer not to. I don't enjoy it as much.
3: So, so what was your uh, what was your experience like going back to a spin rod bait fishing thing when we introduced you to uh, ice fishing? Like, did you have any enjoyment in it at all? Or
2: I, no, I had a blast. But um, honestly, I was like not excited about it at all the first couple times you guys want to kind of tell
0: a story from we went to fort peck and josh was a super 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 trooper the entire time the dude is jigging
2: just hours a day
0: (laughs) just like i want to catch a fish on this rod and not use a tip up and the last day like an hour before we left I caught a fish on a spin rod right, right in front of him, and he never did. And I, I, I really think that bummed him out.
2: Yeah, I put like sixteen hours of jigging a rod and didn't catch a fish. <laughs>
0: he didn't give a shit. He
3: waked up the waking up the morning and put a tip out out and caught a freaking seventeen pound northern. Yeah, I, I don't think he gave Mark a shit
0: into that so hard. I was like, dude, Josh hasn't caught a fish all weekend. He's like, we should let Josh catch this fish, and I was like, yeah, "Yeah, we should." I didn't. I was like, "I don't know,"
2: and then I saw. I was like, "Yeah, I caught that fish." That was the
3: only fish, Sean. That was like, he goes to pull through the ice, and like the head gets caught in the hole, and we're like, "I don't know what to do." Well, so I Josh was... just, Josh just grabs both hands, and just yanks it through the hole, <laughs> and it's like this uh, 17 pound fish.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was a big fish. I've never even caught a pike, and my first one's like bigger than me. Yeah, that was a mind <laughs> blowing.
3: Would you do that again?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, that was so fun.
3: I think you will catch
1: pike on fly.
2: That I <laughs> tried probably a dozen times. I've yet to hook one. Really? yeah oh, I think Sean. I'm going got to the wrong places. To. I'm sure. I think Sean's
3: got the hookup for you
1: now.
2: That's right here on one of these podcasts. That there's a good pike spot.
1: I got. I got a couple good pike spots.
2: Let's on go a fly. Let's go.
1: I think
0: the ice fishing trip was like seventy percent the company we are with and thirty
2: percent the actual. Oh fishing. yeah, that was the most enjoyable part. Yeah, because the fishing was not like. It wasn't action packed. No. It's mostly sitting there. You, know, I mean, you can
1: actually get a little more, a uh, little more action and presentation out of a out of a frog or a mouse on a fly rod than you can off a spinning rod.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, you and uh, you life. and our friend Cody use my, mice and stuff on rivers down here, don't haven't you? Mm-hmm. Quite a few times. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Josh and I, so we're trying to learn. There's a private pond that I have permission to. And we're trying to figure out how to catch big bass off of a uh, fly rod
0: i'm I'm kind of bummed we never ice fished that yeah that was
3: dumb i don't know why we didn't because there's like probably giant fish in there now yeah and uh i still to this i'm trying to i hooked on to something when we were in there and i don't know what it was
2: he did the riley dance like the i was across the pond I could okay see the you, you and you and, Ram,
3: you and Ramsey could talk about this if you want to <laughs> if you want to explain what you're talking about
2: i feel like i should tell the story about when we were fishing that lake I, you told it one time but you didn't very vaguely like you just from my own point of view uh, yeah
4: <laughs>
0: Riley has a very hard time getting out of his own way when it comes to hooking up to a fish or getting in his own. Yeah. Yeah. He gets in his own way, right? (laughs) 80% of the fish that he loses is because he's so excited that he hooked a fish that he all technique and everything. It's always disbelief
3: though. Like when Josh is talking about, he loves fly fishing because it's like always does. Like he doesn't know if they're going to be there or whatever. Like you don't know if the fish are even there. Like, that's always me too. Or it's like, I'm just fishing. And then I'm like, oh, oh my God. And it freaks me out. And like, like when I hooked into that steelhead when we were fly fishing, I was just like, I was in such disbelief. The only thing I could do was like, yell for someone to come over to me. And like, that's a habit I have to get out of. Because I did that when we were cutthroat fishing that one time too, where I was just like, screaming at Josh to get the net and get down there and catch it. Instead of just like, going through the mental process
2: enjoying it a little yeah bit. <laughs> like,
3: like actually fishing or yeah. <laughs> it's like okay we'll just keep the rod tip up and just fish and just okay. fish it in
2: so uh, i'll tell the cutthroat one real yeah. quick so we're fishing this stream and this bank we're on is like 15 foot like just undercut bank like the water's way below you and we hadn't caught anything it's muddy we're not really trying that hard and riley just flips his streamer down like twitches it once and you just see this like jaws looking thing come out of the mud and just inhale it Riley sets the hook and like without even like getting it to his reel or anything, he's like, Josh net it right now. <laughs> I'm like, dude, the water's 15 feet below me. Like, give me a sec. Like, what are you doing? Why is the net not in he's the like, water right now?
3: now. <laughs> I remember, uh, his, his ex was there with us and like the whole time she was like basically counseling me <laughs> to calm <laughs> yeah. me down so I could get, she's like, you're doing great. You're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> just keep it rough. <around> <laughs> and Josh was like climbing down the, the bank to just get there and, it was a kind of a sketchy little hole, and yeah, like you could dump it was like your waders. Yeah,
2: covered in mud. worth yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it though? every time though. It was. So oh yeah, was, I'll never forget that. That
3: awesome. happens even on like, like even when we go to the pond, dude. Like if I'm catching fish, Josh is like, dude, fucking relax.
0: Just fucking. <laughs> dude, you did that ice fishing. You'd be like. And then you'd bass set this thing into oblivion. And you're like, oh i hey, lost Don't it.
1: let don't let Ramsey give you too much shit because
3: Sean, the, that
0: happened one time.
1: I don't care. It's the
3: dude. Ramsey tries to put on a show though, that's why he does The
1: stuff guy like that, that the guy fly fishes and bass sets fucking everything the same as you do. Well, I don't think I'm
3: I'm getting really a lot better at like when I'm fly fishing. Like even like when I used to do I don't know if they call it a false set or just like a you know you, you make sure you know if your indicator goes down a little bit that you just set a little bit on it just to make sure that it's not a light, yeah, a light I'll, bite. I'll definitely I used to I used to every time it happened I fucking yank it right out of the water, recast. And then recast every time and then I, he taught me kind of like just do this like nice easy set and then you can let your fl- your your, your men and your float can stay the same.
0: I will say I I don't think it, I, I've caught a few fish since our last steelhead trip last year. And I can just tell you from those two experiences that every time my indicator goes down, I just assume that it's not a fish. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably worse now after four days of nothing.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was a rough one.
3: But I, I I rely on these like big like these special trips that we take to teach me even more. Like, oh, yeah. there's not much I can learn anymore from like floating the horn or fishing the pond. Like it's the same thing essentially almost every time. But like it's I mean it's not it's definitely fun. And you definitely get to like sharpen your tool Mm -hmm. but like when we go on these special trips it's like okay i have to make sure that i'm doing this right every single time and like focus on it or i just wasted like a 250 and fifty dollar trip
2: oh yeah
3: or the experience i mean
2: but
1: you, you can't look at it that way because you're going there and you're fishing and you're enjoying yourself all you're doing even if you're the best fly fisherman in the world all you're doing is advancing your skills, and you're enjoying yourself while you do it.
3: Well, tell me if this is a bad attitude to have anymore. I started treating, and I, I know this is weird to say out loud, but, like, fishing and hunting and stuff, like, I started to treat individual scenarios, like, even, so, like, when I'm shed hunting, I treat it differently. When I'm uh bow hunting, I treat it differently. Uh, like, I treat it like football now. As what, though? In I treat it like, minutes? I'm telling you, like, I treat it like football, to where I treat it like it's almost a... a a job, I, I say that, and I know you're going to be like, well, that's not how you're supposed to do a hobby. But, like, I treat it, like, strategic, and, like, I'm going to go out there and treat it like I'm at a workout or something like that.
1: Absolutely. I'm totally and I never, used to, I
3: never used to do that. I used to be like, oh, I'm just going out and doing this thing.
1: Whatever you do, you should put exactly 110% effort into, and you should be the best at it whenever you're doing it.
3: Yeah, so, like, when I used to fish and stuff, like, I would either get bored or, like, I don't know, just... Uh, now it's like when I'm out there, it's just like it's like like I'm in the military, like I'm uh like focused on like doing the exact steps every single time all day long because in my mind that's how you're going to accomplish the goal of why you're
1: there. I well, feel like that's a good baseline to do,
0: yeah, I think you're at the point where like you need to be like that. So then when it starts to click and turns into muscle memory,
2: you won't have to think about that and focus more on, like... That's when it comes fun, because you stop yeah. focusing on, like, your, like, cast and stuff, and you just start enjoying where you're at. And, like, like steelheading, I had a blast. We didn't catch one, but I had, like, just enjoy yeah, I love that thing. area. Like, it's just so cool. Yeah,
3: it's way. It's a much different
2: It's a different environment. atmosphere. Than and you. other than the first day, the weather did really hold yeah, up. Yeah, it, it was steelhead weather. It was cloudy and overcast a little rain here and there but it was just like man i love that area it's like Mm rainforesty and just hanging out with the the boys i haven't had a bet i i
3: I don't judge the success of a trip on like if we caught fish or not like yes would it be nice if we caught fish um i think we had good company and i think just like you said being there was just i don't know just part of the fun would have been cool to catch one (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know like i don't know if that makes sense to anybody but like i used to That's how it used to be. It's just, like, you just go do shit. And now I'm just, like... The night before, I'll sit there and I'll be, like... I need to get this much sleep so I can focus on... And that's why, like, I feel like for this year... Come August, like... Losing weight is, like, such a big, important thing to me right now. Because I feel like I can't sharpen... I could buy all the gear in the world that I wanted, right? But if I don't sharpen the biggest tool in my book myself... I'm never going to accomplish, like, these goals... While we were out there. I, I'm not like relaying what I'm trying to say here. Like, let, let's let's say a bow hunting situation. And tell me if you have similar, have had similar experiences bow hunting. Because, you know, not only is Josh, you know, super good fly fisherman. Like, hunting is also, I mean, would you say half your life? Equal life? or yeah. Oh, it's 50-50. 50-50? Yeah. Um, when I'm bow hunting now, and it used to be just like, Ooh, I'm excited to be out here. I might see an elk or something. Uh, now, when I'm out there, it's like, all right, I'm going to practice my cow calling on the truck on the way up there. I'm going to make sure my bugling sounds decent. Well, actually, this year, I really want it to sound phenomenal. Because uh, with the way these archery tags go anymore, if you don't know how often we're going to get tags for bowls anymore. Or anyways. Um, I'm thinking about, like, where I'm going to sit, where I'm going to hike, how I'm going to do this, how I'm going to be in this situation. I remember when I went up to Bozeman with Josh a couple years ago, I was out of shape then, and I made it all the way up there, a little slower than everybody, but we got in there. We got in on the elk. When I was done with the elk, I was cramping up so bad from being out of shape and stuff, like, the whole weekend was blown for me. Like, I was so wiped out. And then I look back on, like, the year that I shot my bull a couple years ago, and this ties back into what you were saying about, like, Seeing elk on that property that year, I was seeing a hundred to one hundred twenty-five elk every day, and eighty percent, sixty to eighty percent of them were bulls every day, and it was amazing. It was the most unbelievable experience of my life, and I look back on how I didn't capitalize on that that year, because my body wasn't trained correctly, my mind wasn't trained correctly, and in situations where, um, like I would literally be sitting there for thirty minutes and I hadn't stretched or done anything active and my leg would start cramping so I'd have to stand up and I think back I'm like did I spook elk did I I just look back at situations and I'm like I think I fucked situations shooting animals and catching fish by not sharpening all these things and I guess to wrap this up it's like now I have such a a strict way I look at like hunting and stuff to where I'm going to treat it like it was sports
1: that's a That's a good attitude to have. But the only thing I'm going to say is you cannot dwell (coughs) on any situation you've ever or any decision you've ever made as a human. You cannot dwell on it. Mm -hmm. It's, It's just not worth it because you can't go back and change it. And so, like, Ramsey and I had this conversation. I mean, how many times this year during rifle and archery that we were like, well fuck. If we would have done this, this would've happened.
3: But was and, it a was it a judgment situation or was it a laziness situation? That's the thing that I'm trying to switch around to become a better outdoorsman.
0: <clears throat> I, I think as a whole, we were never lazy.
1: No. I think it was it was definitely a judgment because I mean how many times, Josh, have you been out elk hunting and been in on them and probably if you'd have done everything perfectly could have shot an elk yep but didn't
2: going off what Riley said i would there's been a lot of times where it's like man if i had just spent a little more time in the gym get my lungs in shape i could have cut those elk off i just barely didn't get there because my lungs couldn't make it up the hill so i've i can count i mean think about your archery hunting career i mean we haven't had long ones we're in our 20s but the amount of actual good opportunities you have are pretty slim. And I can say most of those were because of my physical health. Like I couldn't, wasn't, wasn't in good enough shape to get where I needed to be or mentally. Like I haven't Or even call yet. it
1: like, like your persistence to like get up way earlier than you should. Yeah. I didn't get, get up somewhere. early enough
2: and I missed the elk. They got ahead of me. Yeah. Right. So I, that's where it's like, I always see guys like, Oh, I spend all my time in the off scene shooting and like working out and getting in shape. It's like, that never really clicked until like recently. I was like, okay. Right. I get it. You gotta spend your time in the gym. You gotta spend your time shooting and practicing and your calling and all, all that in preparation for those couple moments that you get per season to capitalize. Cause when it comes down to those last like two minutes, that's where you like your brain shuts off and it's all muscle memory. Right. And that's where you mess it up.
1: Well, I mean how many times have you been in the in an archery situation where you're like, man, if I was in that tree line right now? Oh, yeah. I, you know. there,
2: and then there's those, two where it's like, there's enough, I, I did the best I could, but those elk did elk things, and I didn't get my I mean, you
1: can't you can't foresee the future. You can't yeah. tell what elk are going to do. They're yeah. going to do what elk do.
3: Which, which I agree with, and that I think that, like, I'm on, I think we're 100% on the same page with you about, like, yeah, um, Could could there have been situations where if I was in the right, if I had made the right mental decision, could I have maybe been in there? My argument is, like, I think I go back on stuff and look at, like, wow, if I wouldn't have been in that situation and been lazy or been in better shape or something like that, would the situation have turned out better? Like, even looking back on, like, I put a strong effort into the year that I, you know, a, years leading up to the year that I lost that bull. And so, Ramsey and I were shooting a shit ton. And I was very comfortable with my, like, that that bow That time was a different one than I'm shooting now. And, uh... I still look back on it and I'm like, man, if I would have, like, spent more time, even more time practicing and even more time focusing on this thing that I put my, like, maybe the placement would have been better because it was a 50, 50, 52 yards, 55 yard shot or something like that. And it's like, I feel like that's a comfortable shot ish. It's like kind of right on the edge of what I'm happy with. But I just look at these situations and I'm just like, if I just took this more seriously. Not that you have to like, not that everybody that's hunting really needs to like indulge themselves in making it into a a job, which I'm not making it into. It's just like, I want to be successful and I don't feel like you can be successful half-assing it anymore. And that's kind of where I'm
1: do you, I mean, honestly, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you know how far you can actually push yourself? Like, have you ever been to that point?
3: Dude, we're getting like a therapy session right now. <laughs> I'm just oh, asking. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm, well, well, I'm, I want to answer this question, but I'm just telling you, like, you're going to get, I'm going to get philosophical with this if you're prepared for this. Yeah. Um, I was looking back to, and I thought about this the other day, and you know the kind of shit that I've been through in the last eight, 10 months mentally. And I look back to 2019, I believe it was, was the first time that when I went up to Bozeman and hunted with you, yep. that was the last time in my life that I actually mentally pushed myself. And I think that's a problem. I think in three years that I should have been able to push myself past my, and even then that year too, we did some antelope punts, which wasn't very hard for those, you know, Josh and Cody, cause they're pretty fit. But like, man, by the end of the day, we had hiked a fuckload and it was 90 some degrees. And I was like, I was feeling like shit, like cramping and like, but I pushed myself that day. And then I pushed myself when we went to Bozeman because, you know, you guys always talk about your, uh, what do you call that hill? Hell hell. Hell, hill. Yeah. You want to see a hell hill? Go with Josh up to Bozeman. It's like three times fucking worse. Um, and I pushed myself that day and I look back on it. I'm like, I haven't. Physically pushed myself and I think it's probably funny to Josh listening about it. he's probably done that hike 70,000 times.
2: No, I know how hard it is it sucks, but like it sucks.
3: I don't think I've mentally pushed and like that's like where I'm like looking at my life right now and I'm like, even if and I'll guess I'll divulge some personal info here. I think I'm going to die tomorrow, right? I'm getting to a point now where after all the shit that's gone down in my life that I'm really going to hate myself if I don't get back to trying to push myself like I did on that trip. And that's what I want. That's why. And I want to thank you guys like for constantly pushing me to go to the gym and and caring about my health and stuff, because I think it's important that, you know, okay, there's COVID going on in the world. There's the wars and shit. Well, I don't want to die not having pushed myself. And, and it was a really I came to terms with it like a week ago when I sat down and I was like, wow, I, I haven't pushed my body and mind to the limit since I pushed myself to go hunting with those guys three years ago. And that's where I'm getting on this like whole tangent about like, I think we have to change our strategy to focus on our body health.
1: Right. And I think, you know, honestly, I mean, I can't speak for Ramsey, but I feel like, his facial expressions when Warren and I were beating him up hill, hill. When I looked at him and he was 30 or 40 yards down the hill from me, he looked pissed. And I knew it wasn't pissed at me and Warren. I think it was pissed at himself that he wasn't the guy winning the hill. Which, Because you two were both competitive human beings. yeah, Like, you guys push yourself to the limit. And... I really I really feel like since I've really started hunting with Ramsey, he has tried to exceed himself on pushing the fucking limit as much as he can.
3: Well and I think what Ramsey is. I just has,
1: fucking hate losing
0: the show.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I think Ramsey has a benefit of is he's like hard headed. And so like he's never gonna like in his mind be like, Yeah, I can't do that. And for me, I went through like a traumatic experience.
0: You can't limit yourself to, I can't do
1: this. That's the thing, though, is because I've been in instances with with Ramsey before where we've been hunting, and I'm like, I mean, not not saying I'm some courageous, crazy fucking hiker. But you're in
3: shape. We hunt with you. You can say it. Like, I know.
1: But I'm like, no, let's go to this, you know, next hill that's, you know, three quarters of a mile away. And Ramsey's like, you know, I don't really want to do that, but. I will. (laughs) And I'm like, well, you're going to fucking do it. And you and
3: Garrett have done that to him several times.
1: Yeah, and we're like, well, no, let's go. And he's like, I mean, in his head, he's probably like, well, you know, this is going to suck, but fuck it, you know, let's go. And
3: In the end, do you feel like that you feel better after
0: you've done it? Here is what I've come to the conclusion of. I've never died from doing something that I didn't want to do. So like when I think and be like, man, I could sit here and rest for 10 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, but if I just do it and I'm at the top, then I can rest as much as I want because we're going to sit there and, you know, call or whatever.
1: Well, and th- like this is like the same thing even like with the gym is like with Ramsey and I because, we you know, we work out together every time we go. And it's like I kind of. I explained to him how I perceive myself in like the cardio points. And I was like, this is how I do it. And now he's like super in to like how I explained him to do it. Because essentially it's like, I want to be better than myself.
3: Not someone else.
1: Exactly. I want to be better than myself. So like when we do cardio, it's like, you know do you like when we first got into working out and i mean for me it was like five fucking years that i hadn't <laughs> done shit mm-hmm. and so like how i got myself into cardio was like i would do like two minutes on at a walk and then two to three minutes on at like higher pace and when i was doing that i really didn't like tell ramsey about it or whatever now you know i was just going and then you know ramsey was doing his thing he he was doing what he thought his body was capable of, and I told him that, what two or three weeks into working out, that that's what I was doing, and I think it kind of like took a toothpick to his brain where he was like, "I could fucking do that."
3: Have you ever been in a situation, high school, adult life, whatever, where you're working out and you've and you th- you're gonna die, like as hard as you've ever pushed yourself, you think you've ever been close to death? No. And that's kind of what I've been having to try and think about lately is like, okay, I'm severely out of shape, the worst of my life, but A, I would rather die trying to get better than sit in a hole at my house and do nothing, you know, because I I missed out on 80%
1: of archery season this year because I
3: was living in a hole.
2: It's funny that story you told about our bosom hunt, how Mm -hmm. that was kind of a turning point for you, you know, or something you think back on kind of same thing for me. You know, we did that hunt, we got an elk, we pushed ourselves, it was a kick-ass of a morning, like, kicked our butts, and...
3: Hey, can you tell that story on a Ten Chronicles? Absolutely. Story. Okay, But and it's gonna keep going.
2: But just, quick recap, like, we bumped the elk, knew where they went, but we kind of gave up and went back to the truck, right? Mm-hmm. And we got there, and we were just gassed, all three of us, like, we're like, no way, we're going home. Looked up, and there's those elk right in that bowl, that big bowl, right above us, right where they were, right where we thought they were, and... All three of us went nah let's go home and i dude, that ate at me for weeks after that like how many opportunities you get a year not very many right mm-hmm. all we had to do was hike back up and we're into them again
3: we literally saw the elk from the truck that yeah. was
2: like a turning point for me to be like i need to get back in shape because i don't want to hike down a mountain and see an elk right there and tell myself no like i want to go back up yeah but so, i physically couldn't that day so that's
1: i mean that's the thing it's like how many times in your life in a in hunting aspect have you been to a point where you thought your body couldn't go any farther but yet you still did mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i i from western montana in my hunting experience was we hiked mountains i mean that was it we didn't we didn't get planes hunts or whatever you know we had the opportunities but how I was brought into hunting that was not presented to me. It was you hike five miles in order to see elk. And mm-hmm. it was like, you do that. And I mean, me being a competitive guy was like, whoever I went out with isn't going to out hike me. Like they can't, you know? And I, I feel like, I mean, everybody in this room has that competitive mentality that you're like, I don't want to lose.
3: Yeah. Well, and I guess a thing for me is like, and I guess I'll just indulge this. I don't, we don't like to talk about this anyways, but um i'm having such a hard time believing that my body is okay after having covid it's been eight months now and i'm just like i sat down the other day and i'm like when am i going to get to the point to realize that i'm not i'm not I'm, I'm I'm okay like maybe there's some weird lasting things or whatever uh but that's what's been holding me back like every time we, i haven't made it to the gym or whatever like i'm just i am been like just scared that i'm just going to collapse on the fucking treadmill and you know what that's gotten me for eight months i've gained 30 more pounds And so I'm getting to a point and like, this is such a weird therapy session on the podcast today, but I'll (laughs) say this anyways. Uh, Like some of my, the best adventures I've ever had have been with my brother or with Josh, almost all my best hunting stories. And then now you've come into my life and uh, it's beginning to be you too. But I'm getting to a point where I'm afraid that I'm going to live for another 40 years and I'm stuck in a shell of myself and Josh is going to stop inviting me to go on trips because I can't physically handle cause I'm so out of shape. Like I physically know physically or are mentally n- both. And okay. I think there's been times recently where like I could almost see like Josh or Ramsey being frustrated with me because I'm giving up and not going as far as I need to go. Like when we go fishing and stuff and it's like, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, if I don't fix it now, and at least take a chance. Like you know what, if I die on the treadmill, I fucking die on the treadmill. I won't. I won't even know. <laughs> like, uh, uh, you know, it's
1: funny too, is because I talk about how, like, I've pushed Ramsey, but there's been multiple times, like archery season like, this last year, where I'm we're sitting there, and I'm like, God, this feels good to sit down, you know. And Ramsey's like, No, let's go. And I'm like. You're a fucking asshole.
3: <laughs> <laughs> all <laughs> right, let's go on Ramsey's uh, always like a little kid though, aren't you? Like did it, it all
0: boils down to just like the unknown of what's over the next. This hill. is the one
1: thing that I
0: and we we talk about this every time we go hunting.
1: This is the one thing I'll bring to the table about Ramsey is Ramsey is not a small guy. He is a big dude. I mean, not even like his five.
3: fatness. he's just a Matt, like he's, yeah, he's got a huge a build. big
1: human. Yeah, the guy will not say no. I I have yet to get to an instance in a hunting aspect where he'll say no. Right. The only time he says no is when I am the one who insists on saying no at the beginning. He'll be like, <laughs> "Yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean, he's not like he's not going to try and push me.
3: He doesn't want to embarrass himself in front of you. Is that what you think it is, <laughs> or do you think you just don't give a shit?
0: I'll tell you, the turning point for me, like. Internally was last year I did roughly 40 miles of hiking the entire season. I had my phone on me, you know, at tracks, whether it's accurate or not, whatever. 40 miles plus or minus 10. We'll just say
2: mm-hmm.
0: every single time I was the last one, right? 90% of the time, the people in the front saw the animals. I granted there was the 10% of the time where like there was one instance where we were all standing together and there was gunshots down below us. And the three others were just like, Oh, we're going to go get ahead of them. And I was like, I'm pretty sure they're going to come right up the draw. And I was standing there and the
3: the beer getting to you.
0: And, and, (laughs) and like, lo and behold, 20 yards away, here comes this cow and his calf. Right in right. front of me.
3: That's all. Those situations happen all the time. Yeah.
0: But more often than not, the people that were in the front were the ones that saw the animals.
2: So okay. that, like, and and really in my head,
0: little... I'm just like, why do I not want to be the guy that's up there with the animals yeah. instead of the guy that's sucking wind at the bottom of the <laughs> fucking hill? Gives you the
2: push to get yourself there,
0: right? And uh-huh. I, is I've said it already tonight, but I hate losing. And every time, like, I go on a hike, I just like. I try my hardest at the very beginning to just go as, and it burns me out right away because obviously I'm not where I need to be to be in shape. But I'll try as hard as I can, you know, take shortcuts and stuff and try to be the first one there. But I hike with some people that can fucking.
3: I think that's been your benefit. I think that you hunting with your buddies was the best thing for your your physical health because you eat like a fucking dump truck. I used to used to. Yeah. You've been on a diet. I get it. But what's kept you from being 7,000 pounds is your, your friends that get you hiking. But here's a question I have for you. I look back on like, when we were like, I was, I don't know. You were getting out of high school. I was like 22, 23 and we would do shit. I mean, like we were like ambitious and like in shape. And when we would go hunt, even when we hunted the belts and we found our own spots, you and I, the times we saw elk was because we went over the next two hills instead of just turning around. You know, we went further in, we went further in, and I just sort of like somewhat. Is it is it a, is it a because I have a better opportunity hunting now, like an easier opportunity? Maybe.
1: Do you know what's really funny about like how how I got into like hiking a lot during hunting season? Was I mean? One was because my brother in law is a fucking psycho, and that guy will hike thirty miles in a day. Like he's a (coughs) fucking crazy human being. But but the majority of my actual hunting with a tag and a gun or a bow was with my two buddies who were both in the army. And I mean, army guys do ruck marches. With 100 pounds on their back. And they go for 12 miles. Those guys can fucking move. And I would go out and I'd go hiking with these guys. And I'm like holy shit. I mean these guys are moving. Going up fucking 15 plus degree grade. I mean it it was unreal. And I'm like well I can't be slow. I don't want to be the guy that's you know in the back. And I'm trying to keep up with them the whole time. And you know I'm sitting there like. Where's my inhaler and I don't even have asthma? You know, it's like...
0: You're talking to two people that both have asthma.
1: (laughs) But, you know what I mean? It's like,
3: when people beat you... Josh is fucking bad and he still pushes his ass every time you go. Is
0: that uh, kind of like faded a little bit now that
2: you're working out every day? Asthma? Yeah. Yeah, but mine's like allergy slash exercise induced. So when it's like September and the... This guy's full of smoke. I, I've canceled so many hunts and hikes and stuff. Just feel like absolute of garbage. Smoke. I feel fine, but it's just like scary. Like mentally, I'm like, oh, I'm going to die if I go hike in this smoke because of my asthma. So
3: did you guys catch this when we were talking to Zach about hunting where he talked about Sean had asked him if I think he feel like if he had been elk hunting or before. And he said something along the lines of like, he's still like has a mental block of like
4: mm-hmm.
3: breaking his ankle and dying or whatever. Cause he was a size and like, I've never had that. Like I've never had a fear when I'm in the woods until this shit happened to me. And like, that's my constant fear is like, I'm going to fucking have a fucking cardiac arrest. And it's like,
0: and I, I think that's where I differ Com- like completely from like mentally, I'm not going to say I'm the strongest person, but if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to do it just in spite because exactly. you told me I I'm couldn't.
1: 100. My, like, I feel like that's, it's not a mental thing. It's irrational confidence level, <laughs> and I have this, like, my rational confidence level is here, and my irrational level is here, mm-hmm. and ra- I feel like Ramsey's the same way. Like, you, I-
0: you tell me I'm not invincible, and I'll call you a liar. I, I don't know, that might be egotistical to some, but I just, in my way, that's the way I work, like...
3: But how do you, find, how do you get back into, um, <clears throat> man, have we come way off of point here tonight, but... <laughs> This is good shit. Where do you get to that point where you've lost? You've had a traumatic experience in your life. And maybe I'm overplaying the situation. I don't know. I probably am. But like, it's. I I think until you get into a mental situation like that, you don't know how hard it is to get out of it. Where do you find yourself again? Because I used to be the guy like, Sean, I was six foot tall. And I was an interior lineman. I was undersized, and you know what got me through everything? I was a dick. I I had no fear.
1: Absolutely, I'm with you. On that. And I
3: broke, and I don't know how to get that self back because I need that self. I what
1: think... I want to ask you this though, that mentality you had before you got COVID, why did you lose that? Why didn't you go into COVID thinking I'm gonna beat this motherfucker's ass?
3: Because I was fat and I have asthma, and I survived it, and I still like I still don't know why I can't fucking get over. The... Like I still don't know why I think that. Like, I don't know, my body just feels different ever since then.
1: That's the thing, though, is like, you know how many people I know that have gone through cancer that have had that mentality that you had in your college football days? They were like, fuck this, I'm going to beat it, because I want to live. Right. And they did, you know what I mean? It's, I feel like sickness and disease as a mental state... Forget your body's instance of it. Your mind has to be, I'm going to beat the shit out of this in order for me to live over your body's actual health. I mean, that goes into play a hundred times over on, on any disease. I feel like mental positivity and optimism has to be there in order for you to get over
2: something. I mean, I'm I'm 100% with you. Yeah, if, you're, if your mindset on COVID is this is going to kick my butt and I'm scared of it. Your body's going to follow suit. And exactly. You're, you're not going to, in your mind too, you're not going to be motivated that's to get this, yourself it, to it, a different place. it even
1: goes down to like a minimum of a cold. Like, I don't want this cold to affect me. Mental, your mentality behind me, I'm not going to get sick from this.
0: You're, you push you're, right through your it. Your brain is capable of so much more than you could ever imagine. Oh, dude,
3: and I know, and it's like, that's been the hardest thing for me is like, I remember in like, I'm, All, not, I'm it, not
0: saying that it is. No, no, in your and it, case, is. But but it is. But like,
3: it is. You don't have to sugarcoat it. It's
1: fine.
0: Just your brain at, could be causing every issue that you have. Do you
1: know, like, just look at, like, I, I, I know this is, call it a far fetched scenario, but not really. But look at, like, Navy SEAL training. They don't look at you as a physical human being, they look at you at how much your mind can get pushed. Right. That's the only reason you pass. Your body is capable of so much more than what your mind thinks it can do. And how do you find that? Is you push the living shit out of yourself and you don't stop.
3: And what I hear constantly is like, and I, I of course, at this point, I mean, Jesus Christ, I can't believe we're talking about this right now, but uh, I've seen enough doctors and shit now, like I'm cleared for everything. And what they always keep telling me is you're young. You're fine. Yeah. And it's like getting past that, like, I don't know, maybe I watch too much social media and I've seen that young people have died during this and whatnot. But I guess what I'm getting at is like, what's living if I'm not doing the things that I love and doing it the best way I have? Like, I'm, I'm not living, you know, I might be consciously alive. I might be at my house cowering, freaking out about what's wrong with me, but I'm not living.
1: At what point? In time, did you lose that mentality that you had at Western that you were a fucking animal?
3: Uh, I lost it there. And it was actually, it was more like, uh, Jesus, guys, we're getting we're getting deep here. Holy <laughs> This is a roast of Riley J. Welcome, it's fine, folks. whatever. I mean, we're on fucking, you know, the whole world can hear this. I don't really give a shit anymore. I used to hide from this shit, dude. I used to, like... Like it's I, good I, to talk about it. I, I would avoid this shit. I would avoid seeing my ex in public because I was ashamed of the person I became afterwards. And I I did that so fucked up to say out loud, but whatever. She's listening. That's whatever. The way the road, shit. man. Uh, I think I went. Riley, this-
1: Riley Things that happen in the past you can't change, so don't dwell. I know. Just, just
0: go. I mean, that's all you can do. At the end of the day, when you do, you know, when you do die.
3: Right. Like we're all gonna do.
0: Would you rather? Look back and be like, man, I was so worried about dying that I didn't live. Or would you rather live so much you didn't worry about dying?
3: Yeah, well, that's where I'm getting. I'm slowly getting to that point And it's like. I, I, like uh, that,
2: I like that you said slowly. Yeah. You don't want to go in into it just full bore, like create habits that get you there one step at a time. Not like, all right, I'm here. Way low, now I'm gonna jump to the top and just go all cold turkey is a very rare way, of and then you break your leg, yeah, your too fat. <laughs> you start slow, you get those baby steps, create habits, and work your way there. But I think you keep at the top in your vision. What's my passion? Well, go hunting and guiding. I want that to be like I don't want anything to prohibit that for me.
1: I feel like in the back of Riley's head, he knows. He's still got the same mentality he did when he was playing football for western
2: yep, it's and I
1: there. I
0: know he knows it but I feel like did he sit there with he a, has a block. his head just chipping away at the? he's walls. got a block on it do you know, what's know real, it can come out you guys really know. want to have this conversation right now
3: because I'll tell you exactly like what happened in my life and I don't know how why it went this way but when I was in high school my senior year, I knew I tore my hamstring my junior year. And at that point, I knew if I was ever going to be a good f- athlete... And I, growing up, I was always average. You know, I was always, like, the guy that, like... Like, I was never a star, but I was always, like, just good enough to be, like, in the division above. Or, you know, like, just be- to be an equal... Like, when I was a freshman, I played sophomore. When I was a sophomore, I played JV. Right. yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was a junior, I played varsity, right? <clears throat> I knew Sorry. when, after I tore my hamstring that I had to change something mentally to get to a point where I was going to be a star. And I guess I'm. this is such a shitty thing. If you're listening from high school, I didn't consider myself a star. I just... No, I do, no, 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 I no, do no.
1: Think- Don't say that. Don't say that. Because every single high school football player in double A in Montana
3: thinks they were a star
1: <laughs> yes and it, it's perfect that's what they need to think right because well, you want to
3: make good, yourself I was best. very I was very good yeah, at what I, I did
2: I didn't play football I just watched don't degrade yourself because you were freaking dang good
3: the only way I got to that point was turning into an absolute fucking monster you had to mentally yeah. you had to and when I, when I something happened between the end of wrestling my senior year I I i can't believe we're talking about high school right now (laughs) but i uh i choked at state wrestling right i gained 50 pounds between then and when i went to fucking dylan even though i was working out like i got strong and when i got to dylan it was almost like a reality check that i was the fucking bitch again as hard as i tried and something happened in dylan to where i wasn't a monster anymore and ever since then, I've been on the slow decline. I mean, I've lost weight one. I mean, I lost 60, 70 pounds one time. Didn't didn't fulfill it, and now I'm at to a point in my life where I'm I'm considered I am the worst shape, long the most weight I've ever been, and mentally fucked from this whole COVID thing, and I just like it was like the last two weeks, and I'm also thanks for coming on to the therapy session today, Josh. <laughs> didn't know we we're gonna turn into that, but.
1: Hey, don't – Josh, too, don't hold yourself back. We're, we're, we're all going all sides open here. So all, we're, we're talking. It's
3: all good. I mean, that helps all of us as, as really good friends. Absolutely. I, mean, do this. I have started to realize in the last couple of weeks that, you know, the biggest and the happiest things in my life right now are my family and my close friends. We do everything together. And uh, I started – we started a company with my brother and my new good friend, Josh is someone that I do all my outdoor activities with. If I, if I am 450 pounds in a year because I've stuck myself in a hole and I can't do that shit anymore, I'll put a bullet in my head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, the last few weeks I've realized, like, if I don't start now, I'm going – and because this has happens. How many years has there been since we've been out of high school? Eight, nine years? And it's like every year I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm going to get in shape for hunting season. All right, Hunting season comes, I'm 50, 30 pounds heavier.
2: That's the thing. You can't think of it as hunting season. You got to think of it as all, all season. I'm preparing myself to do the things I love and it's year round, yeah. not hunting season. It's well, I got my hours. waiters the other day and
3: I'm like, Jesus fuck, dude, I can barely move. Yeah. And so it's like the other day I realized, we're a little looser. And, and you guys have been harping me for months, all for all three of you about getting to the gym, getting to the gym And I've had every excuse under the book and 90% of the time there's eh, 60% of the time it's valid. Sometimes it's just laziness. And I'm just getting to the point now where it's like, now that this raffle is going to be over soon, I have, I have to change my life so I can feel better. And I can't justify having, tell me if this is a shitty attitude, but I don't know if I can justify having an outdoor company if I can't fucking function, if I'm a fat piece of shit.
2: I don't think it's that. I think it's like you said. You have the raffle coming up. That's the thing. There's always, especially when you're doing a part-time job and a full-time job, you're always going to be having something you got to do, right? That's going to be an excuse to not go. Mm -hmm. You just got to make the time. If it's important to you, got to make the time. Yeah,
1: like to quote the great Robert O'Neill, make small victories. You know, wake up on time tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Go to work. Fuck the day over. When's the last time we've been a full
3: win. week of on time to work, Ramsey?
0: A year ago. Whenever I
2: started. Yeah. And I'm I'm right there with you guys. Like, the last year, I will say, I can't get up for work. Like, I I get there, like I get there on time, but I roll out and like literally throw my clothes on and grab my lunch and go. Like,
3: and does it ru- Does it kind of ruin the rest of the day?
2: Oh, absolutely! You? It's you got to start your day with a solid foundation I can tell you my
0: first Mm -hmm. job out of college I was there 30 minutes early if not more every single day yeah like I was pissed if I was on time and I will say a lot of it is like my sleep apnea shit is it fucks me over so bad that is pretty brutal that makes it tough
2: but, but, but at the same mentally. time,
0: I still, like, don't go to bed. Yeah. Like, I'll stay up till midnight, 1 o'clock every night, and then wonder why I can't fucking wake up in I, the morning.
2: I'm the same way when I started my job. Get there early. Get up early. Spend the morning eating breakfast and like getting ready now i don't do that but then and i go
0: to bed late, but so like the late. later or the more you work at a job then you know the more you like yeah, notice I feel you like the... kind of like get away with and then
2: you're yeah. just like comfortable but it, it doesn't matter what job it is if you get there early and stay late you're gonna improve like always i feel like okay. the
1: biggest thing is you can't like how easy it is to make excuses mm-hmm. you just can't do it like just take no excuse as an excuse i mean that's the way you got to do it is like, Th- there's nothing that should hold you back. Even me he- and
0: Sean, like, we have been straight ass at going to the gym the last week and a half. Yeah. We haven't, what do we, gone twice?
1: Yeah.
3: Well, I think if we're getting to a, well, how much time we got?
0: Oh, we've got a full podcast so Just <laughs> a segment. <laughs>
3: uh, we'll keep going for a little bit here, but to kind of get to the end of this. If we all want to get to a point where it's March, right? So essentially we have six months till archery season. We all have the same goals and we all have the same goals that we'd like to be healthy and we'd like to shoot our bows all the time. If we want to get to that point, we have to figure out how to mentally find that point. And I think what we're blessed is, you know, we have someone like Josh that uh, he comes and does stuff with us. You know, he doesn't have to come here. You know, but it's fun to hang out with him, and it's not right we all have a support group here to, to get to the point where we can chase our
2: dreams. I think you just got to find that happy medium. Don't you go know, all out, but I'm going to shoot my bow three times a week. I'm going to go to the gym at least twice a week. Uh-huh. And, and then it, they it, You know, and honestly,
1: is I, I told Ramsey this too, I was like, you know how back in high school... Which I hate. I hate how much we're talking about high school. This <laughs>
3: podcast. But it's just like we're in our rooted, uh, man, uh, rooted problems.
1: <laughs> we peaked in high school. But you know, and like in high school, it was like, I mean, we played football, so it's like we got to work out. You know, we got to be strong. So you go to the gym once or twice or three times a day or whatever it mm-hmm. is. You're working on football for four or five hours a day right the way i look at the gym now is which is weird is like i told ramsey this multiple times is i want to base my workouts around obviously being healthy as a person but i want to base my workouts around hunting because that's what really takes my physical toll besides i mean working all day in manual labor but at the same time it's like as a blue collar guy if you work out it's going to benefit you on what you do every day no matter what it is.
2: Back in high school, though, you like obviously football is your motivation, but you had a coach, right, forcing you to do it. Like, you had to go do it. Yeah,
1: now you're the coach. Yeah,
2: now it's all mental. It's you, yeah. your own person driving it. So. And so,
1: like, Ramsey and I's cardio really anymore is... is
0: stair climber, dude. Stay
1: cl- stair climber for... Is, An
0: incline treadmill.
1: Yeah, or 15-degree treadmill at a super high speed Yeah. just cut.
2: And that's where that motivation has to be like, this sucks, but I want to hunt and I want to be successful. Yeah, so I want to. That's I, my driver. I want to be the best, you know, yeah, or like, whatever you're doing. But obviously, for all of us, it's it's hunting. Do you think
3: that? And I'm just gonna ask you guys this question based off of like you guys know where I live.
2: Do you
1: think I've
3: missed out for six years on not doing things like, literally, driving a truck down the road and I could do like a two mile hike in the in the in the timber before I go to work. Do you think I've been? I think I looked back on that and I'm like. I could do real-time, you know... Hunting scenarios. Hunting scenarios every day down. of my life, and I just sleep in, and I play video. used to play video games and
1: go to bed. I feel like it's it's a mentality thing, because, like...
3: But I want it so bad, shit. Like, I want to be able to do those things, and I just don't. That's I know, a but,
2: hard thing to do. Like, I know guys, in Bozeman, guys that would, like, throw their pack on and go run the mountain. I tried it, like, twice, and, like... Threw up, I was like, that's oh, not for me. <laughs> Which, obviously, if you <laughs> no, stick with that's it, the same like, it's the thing for me. Good, it's like, yeah. I, I
1: can hike and I enjoy it and I like it during season, but do I have the total drive to go do it out of season? No. And it's yeah, my, like,
0: my ex always wanted to go. She's like, oh, let's go hiking. I'm like, there's no, there's hiking no purpose. Is a purpose. There's no stupid. goal, dude. I'm like animal That's the, the thing, though. <laughs> yeah. is but you have to do those things. That's the yeah. thing. It's like, Absolutely. my
1: brother in law. When I was just in Great Falls, Sunday, he went out. He went. He went to his elk spot, and he went and hiked. I don't know nine miles. Got chased by two hundred buffalo. Nice. And had to go to a dead sprint to hop a fence to get away him. from him. No, I didn't. I, w- I was leaving. I left. But so, so- he does that damn near every single weekend. All. Year round, the guy just goes out because he loves it so much. And it's like, do I have that passion? Yes. Have I done that? No. And I don't know what the exact key is in that you need to do that. I, I don't know. So we're going to talk about this on the podcast here.
3: So it's it sits in stone with the three closest friends I have right now. I am committing myself to tomorrow. I am not making excuses. I am going to forget about COVID. It's not; it's a thing of the past, and if it happens again, it happens again. I'm not going to look at media about it. I'm not going to do any of that shit. Because I think for us all to do the things that we have goals to do together, we're not going to be able to do it unless we, we try. We reach our
0: goals. I think one thing that helped me and you a lot is other than the business i think we should media cleanse
3: <clears throat> that and like when we go home we need to stop just playing well, on the couch
2: yeah we, need to, take shots, we tell, need to take i tell myself i'm gonna do that all the time and i never do it because i live alone and i spend a lot of time just scrolling and it's oh man josh do you need a roommate no <laughs> i have a cat dude it's all good
3: <laughs> dude if i get a house in Billings, you want to come live with us
2: yeah absolutely i'll do that but I, you just sit there oh, scrolling beds? and it's just such a waste of time it's like man i need to delete this what is the point but
3: in that time that you've spent scrolling and sitting i on could the have couch, got
2: so much done and been
3: so much hey, better you know do you want you want to know honestly
1: like what really has kept me from doing that is i build fishing poles
3: right
2: yeah finding something to do with your time like that like productive i Gosh, you should get into tiny flies I've tried. It's hard. It's hard. It's not that hard, Josh. Well, I tried it a couple times. And it it's was not hard. that hard.
1: Cody does it. It's a lot
2: of fun because, I you know what
1: the fun thing is about doing something like that that I've found even with building rods? Fucking up is hilarious and it's awesome. Yeah. But like, you just, you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tie that again. Sean, you do know? you
3: even need to have a hobby, though? Like, think of the things that, like, Josh, let's say just Josh could do. He could, or like, let's say me because I can't speak for Josh. Instead of going home and scrolling on the couch, I could be like putting my hunting pack together. Or I could be yeah. walking my dogs down the street. You know
1: what I do sometimes? Like just I'll sit just sit there and I'll... I'll drink beer. Okay, well that's that's a little <laughs> bit of it. But you know what I honestly do?
0: I'll
1: just pull a fucking shed that I found. I'll pull it out and I'll measure it. And then I'll measure it again. And then you know what I'll do? I'll measure it a fucking again and make sure I'm at the same fucking measurement the whole time. And, like, I'm not saying that everything I do is... Be- okay, I can't say that. Because, honestly, everything I, that I do... Because I'm not saying I don't ever scroll through social media because I do sometimes. Right. But pretty much everything I do other than that is outdoors. Like, I'll go, I'll go into, like, my fishing tackle box and I'll organize the whole fucking thing and then I'll reorganize the whole fucking thing.
2: What I think's gotten like bigger than like Netflix or anything is YouTube. That's what I think you get. do. I like watch today. You know what I Dude. do when
1: I do that? That you bring up that point not to interrupt you. No. You're... When I when I do any of that stuff, I put on a fucking fishing video Hunter or, up, or fishing? a hunting video. Right. And I just let it play and I just sit there and I do my shit.
2: That's my thing like we went steelhead fishing right a couple weeks ago. For like the month before that, I just watched steelhead fishing videos. And now bear hunting's coming up from now till April, I'll watch bear hunting right. videos and just get like it. Just gets me so excited, like. And then you know, August hits and I'll start watching antelope. I,
1: el- I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell them. you right now, that I guarantee you, you could go home tonight, and instead of sitting on your couch scrolling through social media, you could organize a hunting closet. You could score your elk sheds. You could even go through. Bring all your fishing poles inside and just go through them. Reline them. Do something like that. It's just like...
3: Well, I feel like it's. I've been doing I've been doing pussy shit, man, for years where i just come home and I'm like, man, I just worked a hard
1: day. I deserve to don't sit Don't think of a- it as pussy shit because... I think it is. No, no, you can't think of it like that because in all reality, everyone takes a break. They take too long of a break. Is too long of a break okay? Yes, it is. Too long of a break is okay. When you come home and you want to sit on your couch and you want to play fucking Madden for five hours, do it. When you want to come home and you want to play Madden for five hours and all of a sudden an hour and a half in, you're like, holy shit. I could, you know, I could be fucking with my bow right now. I could be doing, that's how you got to look at it. Don't fucking go home expecting yourself. To do something like that. Mm-hmm. Just go home, sit down, do what you normally do, and then all of a sudden it'll come to you and be like, you know what? I'm kinda over this. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna go fuck around with my tackle box. I'm gonna do this. I mean honestly. Wow. I've even you know this is kind of a funny story. And Ramsey has brought it up as a joke before when we've been ice fishing, and I've kind of laughed and not said anything, but I have totally been to the point where I've been drinking a beer and I put my Vexlar in the bathtub just to get
0: like <laughs> oh seriously just Dude, to, he's a nut, bro. Just to like
1: you know what? Okay, huh, what reading do I need to be on here? Oh, <laughs> you know what? That's a little too high. Let me fix the game. What man. does your fiance do when she walks in? She's like, uh, I'm gonna she turn just,
3: around and walk she, away.
1: <laughs> she always is just like, what the fuck? She's, she's insane for putting up with your shit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she shit. really is because half the time I'm doing weird shit and she's like
0: dude sean is such a weird duck like i'd go over to his house during college every night at least four nights a week
1: yeah
0: and randomly this dude would just be like i don't have a coffee table i'm gonna go build one in the garage real quick (laughs) and then hour and a half later we were hauling a fucking coffee table that this dude just made into his house (laughs) or just random shit but i just
1: like i tr- like uh, this is a funny story too is that is my old my first roommate when i lived in the heights had a, a sub like subs oh my god that he he didn't put in his truck and they were in his house and or they were in our house and they were just on a shelf and they weren't really plugged in anything and i remember i came home from class one night and i that was back when i was fuck i was drinking so much beer and, and black velvet yeah so
3: one more beer than he
1: does now Mainly (laughs) BV. I was drinking a ton of BV or whatever. You know, I was just drinking a lot. And I came home one day and I was like, you know, I'm going to wire those to my TV. And I fucking did. (laughs) And it took me like six hours to wire these things. (laughs) And I was like, everybody needs to come over right now after I got it to work. And I was just fucking.
3: But that's that like creative, like the shit that I need to do. Like don't I remember, push yourself dude, to do like it because you'll never do it though. Or five years ago when I first started into fly fishing again, and I had bought some some fly fishing uh, like reels and stuff. I was like, I'm not paying. I'm not fucking gonna go wait at Cabela's for some guy to reel my shit up. So the night before Josh and I were gonna go fishing, I was like, I'm gonna do this myself. Full full like never done it in my life before. It took me six hours. to to spool up this this fly reel, it's almost embarrassing. Well, it is kind of hard
2: to do the backing. No, and all it's of
1: that not shit. that embarrassing. It is. It was tough. It is kind of a process to fucking. If you don't
2: do it, those knots and stuff, it's awkward. I can yeah. you, after you do like you ten minutes. I can credit the yeah. first time. It's like
3: what is this just, is it arbor knot or Bradley, something? whatever you do? Like one of those knots, I just like did like eighty-five times before I got it right. Riley,
1: what I really want to do is because I feel like you are super passionate about fishing. What I want to do is I want you to come sit down with me when I build a, a pole and I want you to like do it and I want you to feel it out and see if it's something that you would really like like you want to get into because I did that with Dalen, the guy lives in Florida now and owns he just bought an entire rod making equipment and now he does it like on his free Mm -hmm. time I want you to come sit down with me and do it and I guarantee you you will love it because it is so much fun
3: so do you think that in consensus here of our giant therapy session with Josh Do you think that as a whole, as friends here, we all have a way that we could put a little bit more effort? I mean, me a lot, but like we could all do a little bit better at preparing ourselves for our goals as a whole.
0: Like we said a million times on this podcast, we'll never, ever know too much. And, and we'll and, never, and ever have too many I, skills. I hope
1: you don't think that this therapy session was mainly about you because everything that you said, I guarantee you the three of us have taken in mentally and been yeah. like,
0: okay,
2: like that." that is something that we struggle with too. Yeah, maybe it didn't apply exactly to like getting in great shape or like doing what we want. But like mine was like what I was saying, like getting up in the morning and being yeah. motivated to go to work. I don't do that and I want to. Right. So that's like my mental goal. Like you have your own. We all have our own things we want to work on, but exactly. we all have them.
3: Well, I think it's important I don't think, I don't know if it's important, but as far as this podcast goes, I wanna be fully transparent. I don't wanna be fake. And if that means like airing my laundry I don't think it's dirty laundry, but just airing myself out here, I think we're gonna better I could better myself by talking to you guys in person. Right. And getting feedback from people about like the same shit. And I I'll tell you right now when I when this first happened to me last year I would, I was when I started hunting with Matt and Matt's a very intense person and he doesn't have any wall. Like he doesn't have any, um, filter. filter. That's what it is. And the whole way to our hunting trip, the first time we went out and he, he's like, he's freaking out. Cause he's like, I've never seen Riley this fucked up before. Like, like I, he was like highly considering postponing me guiding last year. And if it wasn't for him, I probably would have mentally gotten to a position where I could guide Because, you know, I mean, you're responsible for people out there. You can't have a guy that's fucking caught up on shit taking people out hunting. And for, like, 30 minutes, he just reamed into me about, like, like, get the fuck over it. Um, We're all going to die. He said, Riley, we could go over this hill right now and roll this truck and die. And for the last six months, you spent yourself living in a hole. And you just, you just, you died six months ago. Is this the way that you want to, would want to look back on your life? And, and that was the first kind of big thing. And like, it's sad that it's taken me this long to get to this point, but I am thankful to have you guys and have this podcast and have all these, these outlets to where we can meet with people and, you know, fix the problems that I have and that we have. And I don't know, this is like a family to us now. And, uh, I don't know, hopefully we don't like turn people off with this. That sappy was, shit buddy. that was
1: honestly a fucking banger of a last fucking <laughs> seriously that was yeah. that was great i mean i feel I'd, like
2: i'd listen to this if i hadn't didn't know any of you guys i'd listen to it just it's yeah, just thanks, good josh. i feel to like we like
1: talked over josh a thousand times so i feel no. bad about that
3: no,
2: oh. no. josh say what God. i want to say yeah i feel like uh
1: that was a good way to end it and
3: maybe we'll talk about this next week or something maybe we'll yeah. get back into it again but for now, uh, we want to thank Josh for being on with us. Yeah, He'll thanks, definitely Josh. be on again. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having um, me. Guys, we have one day of raffle tickets left. So, if this, no one on this podcast is going to even hear this. So, by the time this podcast comes out, hopefully, one of you lucky listeners is going to tag along with us in the winter for what we're going <laughs> on. Um, guys, our hats are flying out the door. So, listeners, if you want to get on them, get if you want to get a limited, What was it? The limited edition merch drop hat. You better get on it now or or they're not going to be available.
1: That's right.
0: Contact us. Go on the website, bowmountainbrothers.com. Either one.
1: Get them while they're hot.
0: So uh, I
3: guess um, we'll end it for now and we'll catch everyone next week.
0: Catch you on the next one. All right, folks. We'll see you later. See you later. That's all for today, folks. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode make sure to download and listen to the bull mountain brothers podcast you can catch us on spotify and apple music don't forget to check us out on social media for more daily content links in the description